Welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm Carl Richardson, co-chair, along with Kim Charlton of the Audio Description Project. And today, we're just going to talk about some things to do with audio description. Kim is going to talk about how to advocate and access people who can get you the audio description if you're having problems receiving it through broadcast and cable, and sometimes have it resolved even before you finish watching the TV show. Then I, along with John Sweet from Spectrum, are going to talk about how easy it is for a multiple different way to access audio description. And then Joel Snyder, the director of the Audio Description Project, is going to talk about audio description within museums, and virtual audio descriptions in museums and things like that. So let's start off with Kim Charlton, who will talk about how to advocate for audio description on broadcast and cable. Thank you, Carl. Um, and welcome, everyone. Um, audio description has always been a passion of mine, and I get very excited when it's possible for me to help others make it a passion of theirs as well. So uh, the question I hear the most from people when we talk about audio description is that in their home communities when, well, there's two things. When they try to get audio description, um, that it, it isn't working right. And the other question is that they've had some success with getting audio description to work. Let's, let's use um, the Chicago series of programs on NBC as an example. So we've got Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, and Chicago PD. So on NBC, and that you know you've watched that series a few times, and then you turn up, tune it in on one particular Wednesday evening, and there's no description. So what do you do? Why isn't there any description? So what I want to talk about first is you know, what you can do when you experience a situation where you've had description previously and you go back to that show and there's no description. Why did that happen? So obviously there's a lot of reasons why it can happen. And my experience has been that nine times out of 10, it's not the network, it's not the national feed. It's usually something with the equipment in the local affiliate. So what, what I have done, and I have had considerable success with this, as have other members of the Audio Description Project, is communicate with engineers at my local affiliate for me in Boston. So you might say, how do I find out who I need to talk to? So there's, there's two ways. Um, one of our um, team, Timothy Wynn, on the um, Audio Description Project, he likes to use the database on the FCC website, FCC.gov, for video programming distributors. VPDs, that's what the FCC calls 
your local affiliate. That's what we we out there in the real world call them as the local affiliate of NBC. You know, they're the local folks that we are familiar with working with. But um, Timothy absolutely wanted me to talk to you about just knowing that there is a database on the FCC website um, that you can access that will list both the engineer responsible for closed captioning and the person responsible overall for the regulatory requirement of, uh, of closed captioning. Now, why am I telling you about closed captioning? Because the FCC has a requirement that the affiliates post this information and they keep it up to date on the FCC website. So, but they do not have a requirement that they post any information about who's responsible for technical issues around audio description. Now, that's an issue for me that's been a bit of a bugaboo. I think there should be an equivalent requirement for audio description, and the FCC should do that. They haven't seen fit to do that. I'm hoping perhaps in the future that they will make that a requirement and treat audio description and captioning equally. That's something that the ADP is going to work on, and I'm definitely advocating for that. So um, at FCC.gov, you can access the database of video programming distributors. So the way that I like to do it, when I need to know, um, because I'm having an issue, how to reach my local affiliate is you know, most of the time we tend to know that it's, it's channel, um, channel four, channel five, channel seven or 10. And we, we generally know that maybe channel four is your CBS affiliate and channel five is your ABC affiliate and so forth. So I, I rely on all of you to kind of know that information. You probably do. So then you can get the phone numbers because you also probably know the, the, the call letters or directory assistance. You just ask for WBZ or KQFT or whatever your channel is and get the phone number and call. And this is what I've done several times is, is call and um, ask directory assistance then call the station. And, you know, nine times out of 10 these days, you get a recorded message. Now that's not a bad thing because remember there's a requirement that they make available the captioning information. So if you listen to the menu, I can almost guarantee you one of those listings like push one for this and two for that is going to say press four for captioning questions or something like that. I always push that selection. It takes you right to engineering. Someone answers the phone and they know about audio description. They're just as knowledgeable about audio description as they are about closed captioning. They're monitoring things. And if I tell them that there's no audio description on Chicago Med right now, then they will say, okay, I've got your number. I have your name. I'm going to go check it and call you back. If 
I get a voicemail, I leave a message because my experience has been when I leave a message, that message bumps over to that second required person who's the regulatory compliance person who has to be available to answer captioning questions. And they will call me back very quickly. So those are um, a couple strategies I use. And most of the time, we will find that there's some switch that was changed. They had some new equipment installed and, and they set up one of the switches wrong. So the description wasn't coming through. And occasionally it'll take a day or two to sort it out. But I always stick with them and I say, okay, tomorrow night I'm going to watch the described show on this channel. And if I hear description, I'll call you and tell you it's working. If I don't hear description, I'll call you and tell you it's not working. So they appreciate hearing from us. So they um, they want to hear from us. They do not hear from enough consumers of audio description. So I think that we can um, we can use that to um, to to our advantage to make those connections at the local level, so that you can. Um, hopefully get better access at the local level with your networks for having audio description. So I just want to um, close by um, encouraging all of you who are interested in audio description and are not part of the audio description discussion list to, um, to subscribe so you can be a part of that and and um, the discussion, the questions have um, a channel for any questions you have about audio description. And it's easy to sign up. That would be ADP for Audio Description Project. So it's ADP hyphen list, the plus sign, subscribe at acblists.org. So that's ADP hyphen lists plus sign subscribe at acblists.org. So if you have, um, that'll help you get connected. And if you have any questions, call Carl. No, really, you can call <laughs> me too. <laughs> so, um, and I'll give my cell number, which is 617-501-5752. And Carl and I are happy to work with you. But this is one way that I think you can advocate in your own community and really have a pretty significant impact on the quality of audio description that's offered in your community. So thank you. And I'll turn it back to Carl. Thank you. Another way to access that list is to go to the ADP website. If you don't remember the email address that Kim gave you, and there'll be a link on the ADP website to subscribe to the list. And the ADP website is acb.org forward slash ADP for Audio Description Project. Thank you, Kim. That's great. And I've seen, and I've tried this, this solution that Kim has recommended, and it is not unusual, like I say, to get results before you finish watching the show, once you've made the call, because they simply need to flick a switch on their end. So that's a good way to advocate for audio description. Now we're going to tell, a lot has changed in the last several years in the world of audio description, where 
when it was only on PBS and you would buy an analog TV and you had to figure out how to switch to the SAP channel on your TV set and it was buried deep in a menu or you would rent a DVD and you didn't know how to access the uh, audio track that had the audio description. Audio description has gotten a lot easier with the world of streaming, talking devices to access. And it was Dan Spoon who recommended that I talk about this just for a couple minutes. Because at Christmas time, he and his wife bought an Amazon Fire TV with a screen reader built in. And they set it up. And through the use of Alexa, they now access Netflix and Prime Video with audio description with relative ease. And he called me up so excited. Carl, this is so easy. Even non-technological people can access audio description. Oh, my God, there's thousands of people, and you can do this for cheap. I only bought this TV for 150 bucks, and now I can access audio description. So we just wanted to make everybody aware listening that there are multiple ways. With the CVAA now, most television sets over 13 inches, if not all, now have a screen reader built into them. Uh, I know for a fact that Sony, uh, Panasonic, LG, and Samsung all have voice guidance built into the TV set. So even if you only want to get just the broadcast channels, you should be able to do that with a voice guidance menu, and you can easily turn on the SAP channel and access the four broadcast channels. If you buy a smart TV with voice guidance, you can access a myriad of apps, including Netflix and Amazon, and these TVs are relatively cheap. I just recently bought a $200 one from my mother's house because I'm having to spend a lot of time there and um, because she need she can't, she needs to be, somebody needs to be at her house at all times, and I was getting bored. So I bought a TV for myself and set it up within 10 minutes and had access to thousands of titles. You can also access for those who use smartphones um, and have voiceover on your iPhone or or talkback on their uh, Android device. You can access most of these apps and enable, you know, Disney, Amazon Prime. You know, so I just wanted to let you know the audio description is no longer harder to get. And in fact, you'll be hearing more news soon where it's more places available. So it's very easy to get through your TV set. And if anybody has any questions or concerns or want technical advice on how to get set up, you can go to the ADP website. And if you click on um, my committee contact, I'm the chair of the media subcommittee. My email address is there. You can send me an email. I'd be happy to help you figure out how to get set up. Or my cell phone number is 617-877-1248. And I'm going to say that again in case nobody had a chance to write it down. That's 617-877-1248, and I'd be happy. So basically, it is easier ever now to obtain audio description with a multitude of resources. And if you have cable, I forgot to talk about cable. All the cable top box, that top boxes are now supposed to have speech guidance as well and the ability to pass through audio description. So that's another way to do it if you have, say, Comcast or or Verizon Files, or or um, Spectrum, for instance, and and because John tweets here, so I had to say them too. So uh, 
I just wanted to make everybody aware that audio description is easier than ever. And one of the ways we're about to talk about how easy it is in case you are watching something on a device that was previously audio described but doesn't have audio description, Jonathan Sweet can tell you how easy it is to add the audio description to that. And he's going to talk about some of the the new things that have recently come out. They're now available on Android, and you can do separate downloads. So I would like to um, welcome Jonathan Sweet, the, the Accessibility Manager for Spectrum. And he's going to talk about Spectrum access and how easy it is to watch uh, titles with audio description using that app. Thanks a lot, Carl. Yeah, this is John Sweet. Uh, I work for Spectrum, uh, or Charter, as you might know it, as a senior manager on the accessibility team. And I've been working in the space of video accessibility for about four years. I specialize in audio description, whether it's uh, working on the app I'm going to talk about soon, or just in general in the cable industry. Uh, and I also work on some of those platforms with screen readers built into TVs, like Carl was just talking about. Uh, and Kim, by the way, I just want to say, I think that you're doing really great work. Uh, it's, it can be really difficult to find audio description when you want it. And uh, having that kind of lifeline is, is super good. Thank you. So just to jump into it, Carl, thanks for the intro. Um, so I am the product owner at Spectrum of an app called Spectrum Access, which hopefully some of you have heard of by now. But if not, I'll get into a little bit of why we have it and why it works. So this group, more than probably any in the country, is familiar with the fact that there are gaps in audio description, uh, not only on the broadcast end where we're just getting minimums uh, by under federal mandate, but also through cable providers sometimes who have gaps in their, in their ability to uh, pass it through and on the affiliate level, like Kim was talking about. So that in-band uh way to provide audio description sometimes falls through. Spectrum Access aims to provide audio description where there isn't any currently. So it's an out-of-band solution. It's an app that runs on your phone or tablet. So what it does is the app has a library of almost 500 movies um, and about 20 different TV shows from NBC, CBS, Spectrum Originals, and what you do is you pick the movie or TV episode you want to watch and download the audio description. And then you play the movie or TV show on your TV like you normally would. But since the audio description isn't coming through on your TV, you just go ahead and hit sync and play on the app for that movie or show. Um, and what the phone does on the app level is it uses the microphone and it hears what's going on on your TV figures out exactly where you are down to the millisecond and then starts playing audio description from your phone. So this is a great solution. If you are uh, watching with friends, uh, maybe you're in a mixed household. So you've got some people there who uh, aren't wanting to listen to audio description that day. Uh, so you can listen to it with your headphones uh, or since it plays from your phone, you can cast that audio directly to your Bluetooth speaker or, or just stream it straight out of the speakers on your phone. So like I said, it's just a kind of a cool, innovative way to get that audio description out of band. Jonathan, do you mind? I mean, John, do you mind if I asked a few questions just to uh, clarify a few things? Yeah, please. I love talking about it. Okay. So um, 
number one, I just want to make it very clear that you still need to have a primary source before you can think. You still need to have your TV set or you still need to be watching it through cable, television, on a DVD, something. You still need to have the primary audio to think it. That's exactly right. So I'll be totally clear. Uh, this app is a companion app. And it will play audio description from your phone only if it has that movie or episode source coming from your TV. Because it, it uses the microphone, it listens to where you're at to figure out exactly when it should start playing the audio description. And is the file that you download or think with the primary audio, is that usually audio description only or is that sometimes a married track? So we have a little bit of both. Um, sometimes it's audio description, just the narrator. And sometimes you're also getting the, uh, you know, the, the score, the dialogue, the sound effects. Uh, but we call that out in the app. Okay. Whenever I, possible, we try to get both tracks. So just because I know that there might be some um, people that have other disabilities on the call, what else can the Spectrum app do? Yes, thank you for asking. Uh, so Spectrum Access also offers closed captions. Um, when we acquired this, this, this app, this company, which was previous called, previously called ActiveView, they had a number of different types of tracks um, with a much smaller library. So they had closed captioning, uh, sign language for one or two movies. And so we're trying to work back to that level of, of service. So right now we've got closed captioning for about three quarters of the movies and for many of the shows. And uh, that is also a boon for a lot of users. So let me ask you this, and this is just a wish list as someone who deaf blind, or I, I identify as a deaf blind person myself. Okay. What if I were profoundly deaf blind? Are those captions able to be read by your screen reader on your phone? That is a great question. Um, at this time, voiceover doesn't announce them automatically. However, I believe if you place your voiceover focus where the captions are on the screen, it will read them. Okay, what we, what, what we don't have right now, which I would love to have, is a mixed track of audio description, narration only, and closed captions. Okay. And I will put in a plug, I prefer the married track amplified as that person who is hard of hearing and blind. Got it. Okay. You okay. want the audio description with everything else and you want it louder. Right. It's almost okay. like an ALD, if you will, an assistive listening device. That's, thank you. I love getting feedback like this from actual users instead of just in my own head. So and Act, ActiveView had that as a feature, just so you know, if you want to look back at it. The, Carl? Uh, yeah. Hi, it's Joel. Yeah. I just thought I would chime in. Uh, it's great to hear Jonathan uh, speaking about spectrum access uh and john correct me if i'm wrong but i know that that at least there is the capability ultimately of speakers of other language using other languages using the app to download a dub say in spanish um and so grandma who only speaks spanish can access the film with her family who's watching it in english is um is that something that's on the radar screen i know that voice Hey, Joel. <laughs> uh, hey, Jonathan. Yeah, that's something that we're working on right now. So we've partnered with uh, multiple different programming or, and content providers, and we already have some Spanish and uh, also Russian audio tracks with audio description and without. 
And so right now we're figuring out how best to handle that in the app, but it's coming. Great. My last question question is, Jonathan, uh, John, when the movie theater industry opens up again and we're allowed to go to the movies, is this app something potentially we could use so we don't have to go to the information desk, request the headset, uh, 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 you know, hope it works. Is this something potentially that Spectrum Access is looking into to work in the movie theater industry as well? That's my goal because I have seen those headsets and they do not look like fun. Um, yeah. So, and actually this is something where your audience and people using the app can help us out. Um, we want to get theatrical releases into the app as soon as we possibly can so that we're ready for theaters to reopen. Um, but you know, these theatrical releases are the crown jewels of these studios and, and networks. So what we want to do and what we're trying to do now is build that credibility and build a viewership base. Last time I checked, there are 10,000 users on the app, which is great, but we want more. Um, and that'll show that there's really a potential, uh, for if not revenue, then at least something for those studios so we can get those awesome titles right when they come out. So I'll just say we, we want it and we're working towards it. And if somebody wanted to get in touch with you about Spectrum Access, how would they do that? That is a great question. So there is a inbox called Spectrum Access at charter.com. And I monitor this regularly. And if I don't get back to you in 48 hours, then I always apologize within 24. Um, <laughs> so the, the address for that is Spectrum Access. So that's S-P-E-C-T-R-U-M. A-C-C-E-S-S at charter.com, C-H-A-R-T-E-R. And I'll give that to you, Carl, in case anyone reaches out and wants to uh, reach out to me. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, so that's, thank you, John. And that's just another way it is easier to access the audio description, whether it be through your smart television, um, a streaming device with voice guidance, your smart device, uh, such as a phone, it's easier more than ever to be able to access the audio description. And um, and you can the easiest way is to hook up your TV to an antenna and go back the old-fashioned way <laughs> now that TV talks. So um, it's easier now more than ever to access. And now Joel's going to talk about how the world of audio description has changed now that we've gone virtual. Uh, That's in terms true. Of so, That's and, true. You know, let me another way to act that that's easier than it used to be. There you go. Um, The um, I'm going to add one more thing with respect to John's excellent remarks and Carl, your your point about using an app like Spectrum Access in the movie theater. You know, when all this began bubbling some years back with uh, ActiveView and such, and there's half a dozen other apps around the world, um, that was the main focus: using it in the movie theater. And then COVID hit, and now it's all been flipped on its head, and people are using it at home. But movie theaters are going to come back. And Jonathan, I was just going to say, if there's anything that ACB, the Audio Description Project, can do to help convince studios, they produce the audio description tracks anyway. They're available when that movie comes out in the movie theater. So it's a matter of them working with you to get it to you right off the bat, so people can uh, access it through act, through um, Spectrum Access. Anything we can do to help with that, we'd be happy to. It's good to hear that 10,000 number, um, although I'm sure the studios would like to hear 
numbers that are 10 and 100 times that. Um, but, you know, this is not about numbers. Uh, it, this is about access. And, and that really is everybody's right. Couldn't have said it better myself, Joel. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, so we should we should get back into communication. Fred from the ACB has been helping yeah. me out a lot. So sure. I really appreciate that. You bet. Well, I was um, charged with uh, chatting for just a little bit about audio description in performing arts settings, in museums, uh, national parks. One of our subcommittees with the Audio Description Project is just that, performing arts museums, uh, performing arts rather, slash museums, slash national parks, uh, ably uh, led by Sheila Young. Um, This was a subcommittee that was uh, first put together with um, the late Denise Decker uh, chairing it, and we miss her a great deal. But Sheila's been able to pull things together. And, you know, in this last year uh, with COVID, not only have movie theaters shut down, but uh, try getting a ticket to go see a a play or go to a museum. Uh, They're shut down as well. And that has affected our ability to advocate for description in those spaces. And and even national parks have been affected. So I thought I would share with you um, basically three things uh, fairly quickly. Uh, I'll highlight some of the objectives for that subcommittee uh, for this year. Uh, Talk about uh, audio described tours that will be available at the July conference. They were a big hit last year at our virtual conference. And this year will be virtual again. So we've got already got a lineup of tours available. And then um, we want to try and get your help to do as much as possible to to find out what what entities are providing description, when when they were open, and what entities, performing arts spaces and museums, would you like to have audio description at? If we can get that information from you in in states that have been lagging behind, maybe we can help uh, spread description a bit further. Um, our, our goals and objectives, each subcommittee has a set of goals and objectives. I think Carl's got around 45 of them or something because media is going hot and heavy. But um, I thought I'd share some of the Performing Arts Museum's parks goals. Um, one thing that was directly hit by COVID was the, our development of uh, description for the insect zoo at the Smithsonian's Museum of Natural History in Washington. Uh, That was just about ready to go. And the Smithsonian wants to put it up on their website. And of course, everything's shut down. But that's one of our priorities to bring that back uh, or get that loaded and and bring that back as as something, put it on the front burner, if you will. Uh, We've also been working back and forth with the 9-11 Museum in New York to try to build up their offerings and the quality of their offerings with regard to audio description. That too has been set back a bit because of COVID. Um, but we're, we're forging ahead. We're even looking at new museums. For instance, in Los Angeles, the opening date keeps getting pushed back, but the Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences, they're the folks uh, that do the Academy Awards, the Oscars. They are opening their own museum about film. And we've been talking, Dan has been... Uh, Uh, corresponding directly with David Rubin, who's the president of MPAAS. And we are looking to ensure the development of audio description for that museum. Uh, And not only that, we're we're floating the idea, and and, uh, he's open to it as well, to find ways to recognize all the good work that's been happening with audio description for movies. 
Uh, why shouldn't there be an Academy Award for uh, the, the best audio described film or something like that, whatever it would be. But uh, we're, it's, we've grown up now and we've been around 40 years and it's time uh, for the professional arts and film industries to recognize that. Uh, on the theater end of things, we're looking at the idea of developing touring audio description scripts. So many big shows, you know, that that uh, are presented in your community, they don't, uh, they don't, they're not produced in your community. They don't begin there. They're a tour that comes out of New York. And what if that tour in New York worked hard on developing audio description? For that tour specifically, uh, throughout the rehearsal process, and then the script for that audio description can tour, maybe be voiced by local audio describers. We think that's an idea that needs to be further explored. That's one of the objectives. Um, oh, hopping back to museums, uh, this came up fairly recently, but um, we we would love to see every presidential library and museum have audio description. Uh, my company it's, has done description for several of them. Uh, the FDR uh, Presidential Library and Museum, for instance. Uh, COVID is a problem right now, obviously, but we're gonna we're gonna pursue that. We're gonna you know, you know these are are entities that that really belong to the public. They're they're oftentimes the libraries uh, or rather the museum parts are privately run, but uh, they belong to the public. They're about our presidents, and we want to be sure that they're accessible. Uh, every one of them. Uh, and uh, the same goes for, uh, if, if you all remember, back in uh, President Obama's second term, we developed an audio-described tour of the White House. And it um, went away during the last administration. And now with uh, President Biden, Biden in the White House, we're hoping to bring it back. It's, it's, um, they know about it. And, uh, you know, it's not right at the top of the list of priorities, but we're going to keep pushing to make sure it's brought back. Um, and that's by per, per ACB resolution. Uh, and we're, we're hopefully that's going to happen in this calendar year. This July with the conference, um, you know, Dan has told me several times how popular the audio described tours of museums were uh, just to be able to listen and go to these sites all over the country. We're going to bring back uh, a number of those tours uh, as well as some new ones. We're going to, uh, have an audio-described tour of the Flight 93 uh, site in uh, Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Um, the uh, Well, the FDR Museum, uh, as I, I mentioned. The uh, Guggenheim in New York has given us permission to use their audio description tour of their uh, facility and collections. We have, we have the White House tour, which we can make available again. We have a tour of the Star-Spangled Banner exhibit, at the Smithsonian. It's the actual Star-Spangled Banner that Francis Scott Keyes saw flying over Baltimore Harbor during the War of 1812. Uh, It's a a fun tour there. We've got um, a tour of the planetarium in the Air and Space Museum. Um, This is one that actually is on a site in the UK, but it's the U.S. Channel Islands National Park, and we're going to see if we can't get that made available uh, the Getty Museum has some tours, uh, the Dry Tortugas Park in uh, Florida, the Wright Brothers site in North Carolina, uh, as well as the O'Connell Luftig uh, Cherokee site, also in North Carolina. A couple of different Holocaust museums have great tours. 
the Mount Rushmore tour, Bell Museum, the Gold Rush Museum in Alaska. And um, I don't want to forget, uh, we're hoping to have the Kennedy Space Center tour available for you as well. So you're going to be able to spend that whole week uh, when you're not at uh, sessions, you're going to be able to travel the country uh, and visiting all these museums, at least uh, orally, A-U-R-A-L-L-Y. And that should be a lot of fun. And then finally, I just wanted to encourage folks in the affiliates all over the country to, um, you know, in the past, we've asked for your help letting us know uh, what sites uh, have audio descriptions so that we can highlight them on our website. And we still want to know that. We still want to, there's still about half the country that we don't have any listings for. But in addition to that, we'd love to know what museums have you gone to? What performing arts spaces do you go to? And you haven't been able to have description. They, they don't have description available. We want to hear about that too, because um, we might be able to help uh, bringing some pressure to bear on those uh, entities. They, they need to be, you, you know, not only physically accessible to someone who uses a wheelchair, but what good is it if it's not programmatically accessible as well to people who are deaf, to people who are blind. And, and so if you have some favorite sites in your state that uh, really you want to be able to visit and, and, and access more meaningfully, let us know. And when I say let us know, you can always uh, reach uh, us through the website, acb.org slash ADP. Uh, my email address is jsnyder, J-S-N-Y-D-E-R at acb.org. And um, uh, I'm going to be, some of you may know, I'm going to be kind of uh, pulling back a little bit from the day-to-day administration of the audio description project. And um, I don't think an announcement's been made yet, but hopefully in the next week or two, uh, ACB will announce uh, the appointment of an audio description project coordinator slash fundraiser. And uh, that person will be able to pursue a lot of, provide a lot of information and pursue a lot of advocacy uh, for you as well. I'll still be around. I'll still be doing training and uh, my title will be founder slash senior consultant. Uh, and I'm always available to help um, if you have any questions. Thank you, Joe. So uh, I have a, I have other ideas to talk about, but before that I do that, I want to ask Sheila, the co- host of this, do we have the ability to take questions or no? We do. Yes, sir. All right. So I want to ask Kim to talk for two minutes about how she's been able to access some virtual tours during COVID uh, and just give some quick examples and then two minutes and then I want to open it up to questions. Okay. Um, Just really quickly, um, the Boston Museum of Fine Arts has been doing virtual tours um, using Zoom. Um, with uh, audio description guides and artifacts and a lot of sound effects in the tours. And they've been really popular. They've had tremendous attendance. Um, I've been to one of them, I think, that had 30 people. And in the days when people would go in person, they'd be lucky to get seven or eight. So they really um, think that this is a great way to, um, to share because a virtual tour of the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston could be enjoyed by anybody anywhere in the country. We can share that information. The only I, also, I-, I also attended, just really quickly, a theater performance of the New Rep Theater, which is a professional theater based right here out of Watertown. Um, 
and they did something very interesting. The the audio description was provided on another channel because um, you know Zoom doesn't quite yet have the capability to accommodate audio description. It can do captioning, um, but it doesn't do audio description as of yet. But I do believe they're working on it. So this theater had um, a channel, so you could watch the the live performance that they were doing, which was like a three people play. And then the, then you used a second device with a link specifically to the audio describer. Um, and you, you, you clicked on that link and it would sync up to the performance with the description because the describer was live. Once you clicked on that description link with your iPhone or tablet so it was using technology in a different way that I had never done before. So the play was on my computer. The description was on my iPhone. Okay. So it was heavily reliant on technology, but it was a creative way to provide a live theater experience with accessibility and description. The only reason I asked Kim to bring that up is to let people know that our museum and theaters that are trying to do virtual events and you could potentially reach out to your local theater or your local museum and see if this is something they would explore. Uh, either they're already doing it, or you could ask as an advocate if this is something they would explore. And the capability is there, and it is precedent for it. So I just wanted to make people know COVID has changed a lot of way that accessibility is being done. In some cases, better because we can access it from our home in our pajamas from around the world. So. Um, all right, Sheila, let's open it up for questions. And if you could tell people how to go ahead and ask questions, that would be great. Okay. Well, if you are on a PC, to raise your hand is Alt-Y. On a Mac is Option-Y. On the smartphone, it's on your face of your screen. And on a landline, it is Star 9. All right, Janine, you may unmute. Hi guys, it's Janine. Um, so I first want to say that the um, I first heard about audio description when I went to the Florida Council of the Blind um, convention last year, and I really loved everything that you did. And before that, I knew nothing about audio description. So thanks for that. Um, since then, I've been working with a couple different theatrical companies in Orlando. Um, and the thing is, like, even comedy clubs, like, I really would love if they could audio describe comedy clubs, like a SAC Comedy Lab. It's like an improv thing. So the thing that I've run into with the different organizations, they, they now understand that it's not just getting someone there to say, hey, this is what um, he's wearing, she's wearing. They have to describe more things. So they don't realize that they need to be trained. So then when they look into training and to implementing an audio description thing, they, they say that they don't have enough money to raise money for audio describers. So how do I help those places that are kind of small, like the indie theater companies that put on small plays or even the touring places like in Tampa or in Orlando, how do, how do I help them find the money to teach people to do the audio description so I can enjoy comedy and theater and singing and all that stuff? So that's my question, I guess. How do I help them help me audio describe things? Because I'm on advocacy committees that, and there's just, we're going in circles. Janine, that's a great question. This is Joel. 
uh, Joel Snyder, and I'm, I'm happy to respond. Uh, you know, I, I do probably more training of describers around the world <laughs> than just about anybody else. We have a, a great session coming up uh, the first week in March, March 1st through 5th, uh, our first virtual audio description institute. We've done 18 of them. Um, many, you know, I've, I've had experience with companies, small theater companies in Hawaii, in Alaska, in uh, Mississippi, uh, this just off the top of my head where folks have done local fundraising campaigns. They've gone to their state arts councils. We're not talking about a lot of money, even um, if uh, even for the equipment to use FM or infrared systems uh, for training. We're, we're compared to what uh, arts council grants are like. I used to work at the National Endowment for the Arts. Um, you know, a $5,000 grant can go a long way. And I would encourage uh, folks, well, like yourself, certainly to talk to the administrators at these places. You know, money is, is uh, always a matter of priorities. Um, they, they, they have priorities. They got to pay to keep the lights on, uh, to, to have heat. And I, I think accessibility has got to rise up on that list of priorities um, they can't just blow it off anymore with, uh, well, we, we just can't afford it. No, there are fundraising campaigns on the, the web, um, even GoFundMe campaigns that help put audio description in place. And I can provide more information about all of that to you, Janine, if you, uh, if you want to send me a note at jsnyder at acb.org. But it's, it really is very doable. Other communities have done it. Okay, thank okay. you. Next. Mitchell? You may unmute. Um, okay, so um, I have two quick questions. So in the past on like Netflix or Disney Plus, uh, Apple TV Plus uh, uh, being the exception, it seems like the you have to make a choice between Dolby Atmos and audio description. Uh, is there any – I'm relatively new to doing this, but is there – asking these questions, but is there really – is there anything uh, being done – I'm just curious about trying to be so, able to have both. So I know that as far as um, Apple TV Plus, all their shows are audio described in Adobe Atmos as well. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. don't know. Uh, I think Disney Plus is still stereo. Um, you're right. So that is one issue that we should probably look at because for years we advocated on quantity, and now it's probably time to flip it and start looking at quality. And that's not one area that we've necessarily advocated for in terms of quality control of sound. So that is something that the audio description project needs to work on. Okay. I think it's a, I think it's a really good point, though, because who, who are better, you know, consumers or connoisseurs, I should say, of sound than people who are blind or visually impaired? And to make us take to make a choice between description or quality audio just doesn't seem fair. I've, I have heard a lot of people starting to talk about it. You know, we spend a lot of money for these great speaker systems and then we have to dumb down our audio description. So I think you, you bring up a really good point and we will take it to the audio description project and work it in as one of our um, objectives because we have, like Carl said, about 45 of them. So there's a lot of work to be done, but when the time comes, hopefully we can reach out and get more help from folks like you to help advocate too. 
Oh, I, I would love to get involved. Honestly. I did. I, I did write that down. So that'll be an objective we Super. share with the streaming services. Can you tell thank, me your last you. name? Uh, Bridwell. Um, Bridwell, and you live where? In what state? Um, I well, I'm currently um at Purdue University. Um, oh, I am okay. from Indiana. So, Great. so yeah. Good. We will um we'll stay in touch. Okay. Okay. Actually, Thanks. something going off of that. If I if I am able, if not, you can free, feel free to mute me, but just going off of my college, actually, um, audio description in like college marketing material and just in college, just lecture. I mean, not just lectures, but like, the, you know how they have the videos that go out to entire campuses? Yeah. That, so that, I think you, that, were, you were not off base to ask a question about that. Joel and I serve on a, a task force that is working to develop certification standards for audio description. And we have certainly talked about and worked with the whole area of educational videos and audio description and content. Mm -hmm. As far as ADA goes, Carl, I would expect there is or could be some kind of a requirement to make that accessible. So there is. It's a okay. Well, it's not as tight as it is with closed captioning, but but mm -hmm. because when the ADA was was put into place, but you could argue that it could be used. So that's another area we'll have to look into. That I don't feel like we have enough time to. Yeah, find a but I think it's a good thing you brought up, and I also think that it's an area we should jot down for consideration when when we talk about. A, a new piece of legislation to update the um, Communication and Video Accessibility Act, the CVAA, to put some of the requirements in like that for educational content. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh -huh. All right, Doug Hall, you may unmute. Okay, uh, two quick, quick items. First of all, uh, for Spectrum, um, I wanted to know, is Spectrum thinking of doing anything about having audio description for sports events? I hate sports events on TV because they never tell me what's happening. So I'm wondering, are they looking at doing anything to improve that? And the second one, a number of years ago, my wife and I went to Madama Butterfly down in Miami at the Arts Center, and it was audio described, and it was fantastic. I loved it. We got back to Daytona. I talked to the Peabody, which is our performing arts center here. And as you mentioned, Joel, uh, their comment was, it's a good idea, but we can't afford it. We don't have the money for it. It's not in our budget. Um, so it's something to, I think, for us to work on. Thank you. All right, John, do you want to uh, follow up? Absolutely. Uh, so I would love to tell you that all sports will be audio described. Unfortunately, that's not a, um, it's not something that a cable provider can really handle. Uh, whether sports are being audio described is totally up to the programmer, the, the ones, the studios putting it together and sending those, those streams out to us, the cable providers. We can only either pass it through or not. Um, so if it's not coming through, then unfortunately it, it comes down to the NFL or, or whatever league that you want to watch. Yeah, I can, I can jump in here too, because it's a great point in the UK sports events are regularly described. It's just a priority that uh, the, and they've developed some real skill with it to do audio description for live events like that requires. And, and these are events that 
you know, haven't happened already. Uh, it's a one-off type thing and you've got to be on your toes. It requires a certain kind of skill to be a, a skill, to be a, a high quality extemporaneous audio describer. There are not too many people around that really can do that well. The other thing is that in this country, most sports events uh, use the secondary audio program channel, if, if you can still call it that, uh, for Spanish translation during sports events. And, and that's also on our list for a revision of the CVAA, that there be uh, any number of other alternate secondary channels for audio, uh, because why should you have to choose between Spanish or audio description? So it's, it's a real problem. It's something that, uh, you know, I've heard some people say exactly what you said, that on television, they don't really tell you what's going on. They're just talking about themselves or it's some, you know, they're just chit chatting. Um, but on radio, they, they, I know people that will have the program on, uh, or when they go to a game, let's put it that way, they go to a game and they listen to the play-by-play on their transistor radio. Do we still have transistor radios? Uh, because that really helps them understand what's going on. Okay, okay. well, Todd, we time for Todd. one more quick question. Yep, Todd, you may go ahead and unmute. Uh, first of all, Joel, I want to say uh, thank you for uh, letting me talk to you. Uh, second, I've got a comment um, I had a question. My comment is this. I don't think that the railroad, the railroad museum in California in Sacramento has audio description. It had uh, uh, telephone receivers that would play recorded, uh, I don't know what you call it, like that would play recorded messages back to you. And then, but, but that would be it. Um, so I think, uh, you know, so I think we should look into that is, I, I think. Uh, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, uh, okay. And this, um, <laughs> uh, the, the question is as follows. This audio description thing that you're talking about, can anybody attend that or does it have to be certain? I, I mean, the virtual, conv- I mean, the virtual thing you're doing, you're doing in March. Can anybody do that, or does that have to, or does that only apply to certain people? Well, the, the training in March is um, open to anybody. Uh, it's principally involves sighted folks who want to be describers, but we have uh, at least two or three folks who are blind, who are registrants, who want to learn more about description and become consultants on the development of audio description scripts, be voice talents, be audio editors, that sort of thing. In July, um, we'll be having the uh, audio described, virtual audio described uh, museum tours, and and that also is open to anybody, of course. And your training institute, Joel, just so everybody doesn't, you said anybody can attend, but there is a fee. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Of, of what, $295? Four, $400. $400. Five days, five half days. Okay. What, $400 for five and a half days? Whoa, that's a lot. So, so, five, five half days, yeah. So um, it's now 4 o'clock, so we have to wrap it up. But And I know there were probably a lot of questions that we didn't get to, so I apologize. But if you want to have a uh, follow-up with a question, please reach out to the Audio Description Project website. And um, you can um, email 
there'll be a contact link down there to email, and I promise someone from the audio description project will get back to you with an answer. Uh, thank you, everybody, and please continue to listen to audio description and advocate. We couldn't do it thank without you. And thank, thank you, you, Jonathan Kim. and Joel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was great presentation. Thanks, Carl. <laughs> thank you to you too, Carl. Well, no, I was, yeah. about, I was about to thank. I was about to thank all three of you, Kim Chow, <laughs> audio description project, Joel, and our, and our great host Sheila. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Thank you very let much. You are very welcome. Let me finish. Okay. And Joel Schneider, Director of the Audio Description Project, and John Sweet, uh, Senior Manager of Accessibility for Spectrum. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks. Appreciate it, Carl. Thanks.